Beltway Talk, the podcast of the American International Automobile Dealers Association, where we examine the intersection between Washington politics and the auto retail industry. I'm your host, Hannah Oliver. Today's episode is sponsored by Federated Insurance. It's our business to protect yours. Since 1997, Federated has partnered with AIADA to provide its members with superior business insurance and risk management solutions. Find out more at AIADA.org. On this episode of Beltway Talk, I am joined by Damon Lester, who is the president of the National Association of Minority Automobile Dealers, headquartered here in Washington, D.C. During our conversation, we're discussing his background, his work on behalf of minority auto dealers, and how our industry can diversify. Welcome to Beltway Talk, Damon. Well, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Could you start off by introducing yourself to listeners and telling us a little bit about your background and how you found your way to your role at NAMAD? Well, my name is Damon Lester. I am currently the president of the National Association of Minority Automobile Dealers located in the Washington, D.C. area. Um, background, I'm originally from Philadelphia, West mm-hmm. Philadelphia, um, born and raised, so to speak. And um, I've been in this area since, I guess, 1998. Um, I graduated Temple University. I used to be in public accounting for about eight years prior to me joining NAMAD. Um, and I've been in the auto industry since uh, 2002. Okay. Um, I know your background is in accounting. Can you share a little bit more about how this experience helped you has helped you thrive in the auto industry? You know, it is interesting because of the accounting field, particularly in the audit, I was in public accounting, as I mentioned, in audit, um, in the audit department. It definitely is different than the auto industry as you know, auditors are treated like going to the dentist. Nobody likes to go see them or talk to them. And, and in this industry, it's such a person-to-person interaction that, um, you know, you really have to, to have good communication skills and more so more good people skills to be able to um, maneuver well in, 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 this, in this realm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, for those listeners who might be unfamiliar with auto trade associations, and NAMAD. Um, can you share a little bit more about NAMAD and its goals inside our nation's capital? Absolutely. So this year, NAMAD turns 40 year, years old. We're celebrating our, again, our 40th anniversary. And NAMAD um, represents um, ethnic minority new auto dealers, and that's African-American, Asian, Latino, and Native American new auto dealers within the U.S., um, representing both domestic and import franchises. Um, our goal um, is, or, or goal is, is to achieve parity. So currently there's 19,000 new car dealerships and, and out of that only 1,243 uh, or 6% are owned by ethnic minorities. And so, although we, 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 are, we work with every OEM as it relates to the diversity and inclusion at every level, but however, um, specifically dealer franchises is, is what my main um, focus of my job is. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so on that note, can you tell um, listeners something we might not know about advocating for our industry here in Washington, D.C.? What's something unique that they probably aren't aware of? You know, the one thing that really sticks out about this area in, in, in auto is that we have to continuously educate, re-educate, and then educate again our, our legislature, both in the House side as well as in the Senate. Um, there's just been such a, a mysterious mystique, I guess, about our industry as, as dealers. It's been uh, assumed that dealers are do cars on consignment and not really understanding the nature of our business um, and all of 
the the details as it relates to the number of employees and, and just the benefits that dealerships across this country, um, rural and, and metro, provide to to these communities, particularly at, as a tax um, base and employment standpoint. So, Damon, I know 2020 has been a bit of a different year for all of us, but what legislative or policy issues have been high on your radar this year and what are you looking toward in 2021? You know, 2020 has definitely been an interesting year and we're only in the month of October, but it seems like it's just been dragging on. Um, you know, we all started the first three months of, of the year as, as, as planned with our sales, um, still expecting that 17 million vehicles, new, new vehicles sold. Um, I think for us, you know, the, the most stressful part once the shutdown started due to COVID, uh, mainly was dealers getting access to the PPP loan money as well as the economic injury disaster loans um, from the SBA. Those were our first plan of, of concern as it relates to the initial start of COVID and, and the shutdowns. Today, um, there definitely needs to be another stimulus package, um, both for, at the consumer level as well as also for small businesses as well, because I think we're going to still be in this realm of COVID and and quasi shutdowns or hybrid hybrid shutdowns for at least another you know six to eight months. Um, so there definitely needs to be another stimulus at both the consumer and as well as small businesses. The other thing that I, is definitely on my radar going into next year is um, what what the legislation is going to surround around electric vehicles and what California has announced that in 2035. Um, electric vehicles will be the only type of new vehicles be sold in that state. Um, to see at the state level what other states uh, decide to, to to jump on that type of bandwagon and at the federal level to see what happens as well. I know it's been discussed um, with one of the presidential um, candidates now, but it's going to be interesting to see how this pans out. Mm -hmm. For sure. Well, um, Sounds like you have a lot on your plate right now, but, and I know also at this point in your life and career, you are much more than a DC veteran. Um, you've seen your share of legislative and policy battles. So let's, instead of looking forward, let's take a look back. Could you talk to listeners about some of the highlights of your time at NAMAD and how you feel that you've been most impactful inside and outside the Beltway? You know, that's a good question. And to think about it um, as me being a DC veteran, I guess that's true, but um, I'll just go down the line. You know, the one of the biggest things that stood out was the Toyota hearings that took place um, early on. Um, mm -hmm. Toyota acceleration that was that was pretty tough to deal with. Then we went into the big three bridge loans that we all pushed and lobbied and advocated on before Congress to um, get the big the big three bridge loans um, passed with dealer support. Then we went into the bankruptcy of GM and Chrysler and that whole financial. Um, distress and great recession, great depression um, that we were faced in the 2007-2009 timeframe. Um, CFPB was definitely tough um, because we we were we looked at things from a different lens um, from the industry and, and and trying to make sure that there was some fairness across the board for minority consumers and gender and age to, to, to do things not a non-legislative um, standpoint. So those are like maybe the top four or five um, issues that kind of st stand out over the past, you know, let's say 15 years or so. Mm -hmm. um, 
think it's an impact inside and outside the beltway. Yeah. For us, it, it shows that for NAMED, uh, AIEDA, um, as well as NADA, that when we do come together, it's like forming Voltron. And so <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good example. I use it a lot because once you get the three groups together and we all march to the same court and know what, you know, what the game plan and what the goal is, um, it's pretty an unstoppable force. And I would say that not many other industries have such a dynamic trio such as us. Um, yeah. That when we do come together and we need to fight or we need to advocate for the industry as a whole and or for dealer body as a whole, that um, we do some amazing things. And, and, and so this is just a good, true testament of our relationship, particularly with AIEDA and as well as NADA. Mm -hmm. And I know you work specifically on behalf of minority auto dealers. So could you take a minute to talk about some of the big challenges that you've seen them overcome during, uh, while you've been at NAMAD? Yeah, I, I think just the plight of minority dealers is is something that a story that we really need to to continue to resonate. Um, and the importance of diversity and inclusion needs to be more and more um, uh, more vocal with as mm -hmm. industry as a whole, not necessarily NAMAD because we represent minorities. But when you look at from a NAMAD perspective and the numbers that I mentioned of 1,243 minority dealers versus the 19,000, you know, to put things into perspective, it was like we weren't, we weren't, we weren't allowed to become dealers until post-civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. so if you look from a, from a date standpoint, you're looking about a 60 plus year head start that non-minority dealers had over had over us to, to be able to create generational wealth and, and build bland brands and be able to create, create empires um, well before um, we were even uh, allowed to, to do so. So you look at, there's a, there's a big head start from, from that standpoint. Um, I think the other piece that that's concerning is just, just this whole pandemic. And I was initially, um, initially, very cautious for our members or with our members when the pandemic began because it reminded me so much of the recession about 2006 2007 mm -hmm. and and just cash is king and everyone making sure they had enough cash and adequate lines of credit and and things like that and so you know i'm dealers across the board minority and non-minority are just resilient resilient amazing business business people and being able to adapt and overcome at, and pivot at the drop of a dime is just definitely tr a, a true testament of the dealerships and dealers across the board business acumen. And so I look at that as one of the things for our members that the attrition for us, as well as for non, because we're seeing a lot of consolidation with larger groups and public groups just starting to just um, purchase or acquire all of these small dealerships. So. For me, I'm just concerned on what the industry wants to be when it grows up. Mm -hmm. And are we going to be an industry full of large public type conglomerates or are we going to continue to be the industry made up of, of small business people who are pillars of their communities that, that know everyone in these communities and everyone knows them. And so it's just interesting to see how this consolidation um, is occurring more frequently now with you know, with, with larger, larger group conglomerates coming into our industry. Yeah, absolutely. When um, kind of to follow up on that answer, um, I know from your website, just while doing some um, pr 
preliminary work for ready to get ready for this podcast that only 5% of American automotive dealerships are minority owned. And of those 95% are first generation. Um, so could you talk to listeners a little bit more um, than you already have about the need for diversity in our industry and um, what you think that our industry should be doing to move that forward? Yeah. And, and just like I mentioned before, you know, there's just been a, 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 a 60 year head start as, as it relates to the dealer count. Mm-hmm. And, you know, diversity equals growth. And one thing that I've done in several other interviews is just to explain that there's this myth that, you know, we're taking away, we're trying to take away or trying to take an opportunity from someone else. And that's not, that's far from the case. What we are trying to get and try to ask for and try to advocate for is, is that the need for parity and to recognize that there is, there has to be a need for parity across the board. From a consumer standpoint, 30% of all new cars and trucks are purchased by minority. Mm-hmm. As mentioned, five um, percent, really six percent of all, new, all all of the dealerships are represented by minority-owned dealers, and so that scale is really off kill. Mm-hmm. In order to do that, we need relationships and we need commitments um, at at the table from all levels, from all manufacturers, all CEOs, and everyone in this industry to to put forward to make diversity. Um, and inclusion as a part of their business, as a part of the business imperative. Mm-hmm. You know, 30% market share is a significant amount of market share for, for any group, any dealer, any company, um, auto industry and, and, and abroad. So, you know, there's a significant amount of, of, of opportunity for growth as the population continues, the diverse population continues to, continue, continues to grow and within the next 15, 20 years, it's projected to be now the majority population, that there's best a business case that we have to be more inclusive um, of in our industry. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, and on that note, a little bit more, uh, what are some big takeaways that you'd like people to know about the dealers that you work with and represent? You know, our, our dealers are, are you know, although they're minority, they're, they operate just like non-minority dealers. And, you know, they, they, they open and shut their doors every day and, and they want to take care and make sure they employ the best people and take care of Mr. and Mrs. Customer. Um, but at the end of the day, as it relates to, to economic opportunities or economic opportunity as it relates to the ownership, um, you know, there just needs to be a concerted push at both the minority and non-minority arenas that, you know, we have to be more inclusive and look around look around all of our boardrooms and our tables of management and see if there is any person of color or there around that table, ask the reason why. And, and if that is something that you choose to, to look and seek into or think that's important to you, then we need to look at some ways on how we can start to groom new buds to coming into our industry. Because at the end of the day, for our minorities, for, for, for most minorities, I would say, you know, we, we're very visual. And so, you know, we're, we're visual from the standpoint of, you know, in entertainment and sports, we see, we see Mike, we see LeBron, we see Jay-Z, we see Beyonce, we see, you know, Jay Balvin, we see these people, and those are people who we tend to aspire to, to be, but we don't really see that many people of color in these leadership roles, particularly at the OEM level and C-suite level that we can aspire to be, and so in order for us to be able to have the aspirations to, to be 
like Mike or be like LeBron or be like whomever, we, we, it's good to see that. Mm-hmm. Somebody in those seats because that gives us something to aspire to. And so there's just, there's just a, 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 a need that we need to be more inclusive and also just be cognizant of, of opportunities. And so I think that's probably one of the biggest takeaways is that, you know, we, we are here to work with everyone in this, in this industry. Although we represent minorities, we do have a voice um, as it relates to key dealer issues. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Well, um, it's been really great having you on the Beltway Talk podcast today, Damon. Um, before we wrap up, I wanted to give you the chance to talk about anything that you think we might have missed that you want to touch on. You know, one, I, I just want to just thank you for the opportunity. Um, Cody, Rachel, Libby, yourself, you guys have always been um, great to me personally, great to the association, and I appreciate the partnership throughout the years, as well as the friendship. And I think that's something that we don't, people don't see that we, we are in the same area, but we're really, we're friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I think, you know, we, we have that ability to communicate with each other, whether it's stuff that we want to hear, whether we don't want to hear, but I really appreciate the camaraderie throughout the years and the support of NAMAD. And, and you guys know that, you know, NAMAD has always had AIEDAs back as well. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you once again for joining us, Damon. It has been great to have you. Um, I would really look forward to having you come back on the podcast again um, when we can find and make the time for it and talk some more about some of these issues. Oh, I'd love to come back. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Damon. Thanks for listening into this episode of Bellway Talk and our discussion with NAMAD President Damon Lester. Please reach out to let us know what you think and if there are any topics you'd like to hear about on future episodes. I can be reached at oliverh at aiada.org. Join us again next time for Beltway Talk.